This is Christy Drummond, and you are listening to Brown Girl Green, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about the importance of diversity and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I'm working to change the image of what it means to be an environmentalist in the 21st century. So what's up, y'all? Super excited to have another episode this summer of the Brown Girl Green podcast. And this week, we are going back into the topic that I've made several episodes in the past about, which is deep seabed mining. Definitely recommend you all check out the other episodes that I've released on this topic. We cover every single angle of what deep sea mining is and why it's going to put the planet in deep doo-doo. So why are we talking about deep sea bed mining? Well, for people who don't know or have never heard of what deep sea bed mining is, it is the mining practice being proposed where basically machines and other contraptions will be used to extract and retrieve rare earth metals and minerals like cobalt, zinc, copper, and so forth from the deep seabed, which is the ocean below 200 meters. So why is this being proposed? Well, currently this isn't taking place it's going it's proposed and it's it's going to happen eventually even though obviously the whole point of this podcast and the series is so that it doesn't happen but basically people are proposing it as this inevitably important thing that we need to get minerals and resources for electric vehicles for renewable energy sources things of that sort and so a lot of companies are saying you know not only is this going to be so critical for addressing climate change in the planet but also you could make a lot of money by going into this industry. However, it's very much the wild, wild west of a mining practice. And just so people know, this is getting proposed right now. Like this is actually like a real time issue because as soon as July, 2023, the International Seabed Authority, which is basically the United Nations Administration on Seabed Mineral Extraction, as well as stakeholders are going to determine the legality of deep sea mining this summer. So this is a very ever present topic that I felt was really important for me to cover on the show because it's being debated right now and there's so many groups that are speaking up against it and why they're speaking up against it well like i said before deep sea mining you're going deep 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 into the ocean trying to extract these rare earth minerals but the thing is is that the deep sea is this very vast you know deep in the depths part of the ocean which scientists have yet to really explore that much of there's not that much research on the deep sea and scientists say that the deep sea could hold so many answers to medicines, to ecosystems that we haven't even explored, other climate solutions to make the planet and ecosystems around the world more resilient to the impacts of climate change. So there's this vast you know, part of the world that holds this potentially very rich set of ecosystems and resources that we could be using positively for the benefit of humanity and that could be extracted in a way that's not harmful that could be well researched and the antithesis of that is this deep sea bed mining practice where they're basically saying okay it hasn't been explored why don't we just go in and drill then and figure it out it's like no 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 there's not enough research on this space why are you going in and wanting to drill for all these resources and you haven't even properly assessed if that's even a good idea to do. And scientists are saying why this is so dangerous is because if this is done wrong, 
and you know a lot of scientists are thinking this is probably going to get done wrong this could set off a giant carbon bomb because the ocean is one of the top places in the world that is currently sucking carbon dioxide and storing it for our environment so imagine you're sending all these little machines and you're just drilling and did it you know underwater and you don't know what's going to result of it if something goes wrong and they break it apart and destroy those ecosystems below it could basically destroy the great sea the great oceans and we as humanity are not going to be able to come back from that that is destroying the major sink that could actually keep absorbing carbon from the atmosphere and slow down the impacts of climate change and we're ba these people are basically saying forget that we're just gonna drill into it and see what happens because we just want to make money it's pretty ridiculous so it doesn't sound like a smart idea to me it doesn't sound like a smart idea to scientists and now countries around the world are actually calling for a moratorium of this practice even before it's you know been licensed and practice and so that includes member states like palau fiji federated states of micronesia samoa new zealand germany costa rica france dominican republic spain ecuador and so forth and so there's countries that are realizing that they need to call for a moratorium on this and in addition to that companies and businesses are also starting to opt out of this so companies like rivian Renault, bmw volkswagen volvo google samsung you know they're actually listening to scientists and civil society organizations and basically saying you know moving forward we are not going to participate deep seabed mining we're not going to source our minerals for our electric vehicles or other you know entities from the deep sea which i think is really important that these companies have made a stance and said we as a business do not support this and in addition to that what we're talking about today is financial institutions so we're seeing that even investment entities one that's really notable in um, europe is maersk as well as Lockheed Martin. Um, these are really big name, you know, investing firms who have decided that they're going to pull their seabed mining interests again, because they view it as a risky investment. So we're seeing that like, it's not just maybe even though those of us who are environmentalists are like, yeah, this is ridiculous. And it's going to destroy humanity and the planet. There's actually a lot of financial risks and a lot of businesses and companies are recognizing that it is going to be a major risk for their entities and institutions. And so with that being said, I really wanted to get a business perspective on the show to talk about why businesses and banks are starting to opt out of deep sub out of deep seabed mining and want to call for a moratorium. I felt like it was really important that we get that perspective because I know a lot of people listening to the show um maybe a little bit more capitalist and care about the numbers and care about the money uh, that goes behind these industries. And that's fair. So wanted to make sure I had that perspective to talk about why it makes business sense for a moratorium as well. And so we get to talk with an expert from a bank in Europe that has explored this um, and is making a, a key stand around it. So I hope you learn a lot from this episode, learn from this financial expert who explains why deep sea bed mining doesn't make sense from an economic standpoint as well and yeah check out the show notes make sure you subscribe to the brown girl green podcast and the brown girl green instagram page take a listen
thank you everyone for joining another episode of the Brown Girl Green Show. I'm Christy Drutman and I interview environmental leaders and advocates about the importance of diversity and inclusion as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I am very excited to continue our series about deep seabed mining, especially why it will all leave us into deep doo-doo. So I'm excited to follow up on our previous episodes that we're talking about this topic. Previously, we covered science, we covered indigenous rights, and now we're going to be covering an angle from the business and the banking side of things. I really wanted to do this episode because I feel like at the end of the day, when it comes to an issue like deep seabed mining, we have to talk about the dollars, we have to talk about who's funding these projects to even be there in the first place. And so I wanted to have an expert who specifically comes from that industry and that space who has had to grapple with knowing that deep seabed mining is on the rise and is in discussions. And they are a bank and an entity that has chosen to actually go against it and to take a stance for a moratorium against deep seabed mining. So I'm very excited to have our guest today and would love for you to introduce yourself. Thank you very much, Christy. Yes, my name is uh, Johanna Schmidt. I am a researcher at Triodos Bank. Triodos is a, a bank in the Netherlands, uh, which uh, provides you know, business loans, but also has retail banking clients, has an investment management site, so investing in stock-listed and private debt and equity. So a full-blown financial institution, not the biggest one, but with a very clear mission. Namely, to drive positive impact, to invest in impact and take really the sustainability side of things into consideration. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So could you tell us a little bit more about the role of banks in financing deep seabed mining? Sure. I think that's a very interesting question because over the last couple of years, I have not heard much in the financial sector about this topic. Traditional banks, they may go in any way, in any direction, but Triodos is really, really about financing impact and also not doing harm and financing harmful activities. So thinking about the environmental consequences, for instance. So at Triodos, it's really important to know that we have had a very strict mission for the past 40 years and also a document called the minimum standards, which are the absolute minimum requirements that we set for on our investments. So if companies are involved in controversial activities, we don't finance them, we don't invest in them. And so this document, this set of criteria has been around for 25 years, but then we also decided to include deep sea mining in it two years ago in 21. And why was that? Why did you all decide that was a risky investment? Yeah, a risky investment. Well, a catastrophic investment, I would rather say. Catastrophic investment, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, you know, like the problem with, with deep sea mining is that, you know, there's not enough known about the environmental impacts of it, right? So if you, you know, like in, engage in deep sea mining and do not know what could be the irreversible long-term consequences of that, you know, and if you're out for the short profit to, you know, mine minerals, metals, and then just take it out, you know, then it's a very short time profit calculation. And this is not what we're up for. 
And what is really important there, I think, and that's also what we base our assessment on and like or our decision not to invest or finance deep sea mining. I'm sure you know the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. And they, are, they have a very clear stance. They're saying like it should not be done until we are very clear about the consequences of it so that we have a scientific evidence. That's the first thing. And then it should only always done if there's a clear environmental impact assessment of the consequences. And there we also we don't really know. And then also there needs to be like a good governance and good mitigation strategies. So there's a whole of like requirements that this organization, which is really key in the, the whole discussion, is there. And, you know, like as a prudent and precautionary investor, like we, we just don't want to get involved until there's basically a very clear green light. I mean, at this point, it's just too risky for us because we don't want to create lasting harm in, in the biosphere and the ecosystem at the deep sea bed. Yeah, and thank you for sharing all of that. It's interesting because I'm seeing the opposite end of things, people who are supporting deep sea bed mining, promoting what they're calling this new sustainable gold rush. For minerals. <laughs> I wonder what your thoughts are on that. A sustainable oh. gold rush. A sustainable gold rush. Wow. I've never heard that expression. It makes me, <laughs> I don't know, it makes me feel very, very uneasy, to be very me honest. <laughs> because, I mean, what what is in the, is of course, the gold rush. Easily explained, because probably, you know, if things fall right, you could make a lot of money with deep sea yeah. mining. Because, and the background to that is just that there's a lot of, um, a lot of demand for these metals, you know, when we think about batteries, smartphones, solar panels, yada, 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 you need these metals, metals and minerals. So there's a huge demand. And if you can satisfy it, if you can serve that demand, great. Now, why? So that's the gold rush. Okay. And if you like, then if it's claimed to be sustainable, then it's just basically a displacement of another problem. You know, why is other mining not sustainable? And there we get into other problems, which are the social consequences. So if you think about like mining in the Republic of Congo or something where we have problems with child labor, forced labor, bonded labor, these are like human rights and labor rights violations, which are really, really severe. But then to think you can solve that problem by just you know shifting the focus and like causing environmental consequences, it's, it's not sustainable. It's a displacement of the problem. And this is terrible to say the least. And, you know, I also think, you know, like it's not as black and white. So, you know, like, it's not like, oh, we have this huge demand, we need to find it somewhere. But also, there's a lot of recycling going on, you know. Mm -hmm. So we need to also, as consumers, as business, understand what other other alternatives we have. You know, first of all, like, do we always need a new smartphone, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, how can we make the design different to actually, like, use batteries again or, like, create the, like, make the the lifetime longer or to recycle certain metals, you know? That's the question we should be asking because there we have no or like much lower environmental impact than compared to deep sea mining. So it's it's more about like the design of products than like the business focus and also as consumers, like what we are purchasing. Totally. And I am glad you brought that up because, I mean, there's a lot of big name companies now that are signing on to a moratorium. So it's not like it's this very fringe thing to now take a stance against this practice. And even this past year, Lockheed Martin and some other big financiers are actually dropping their investments in this practice. So we're seeing that like even pretty big name financiers are not buying into the propaganda that this is something 
we need to jump into, especially when the science hasn't been clear. But I just wanted to bring that up because I think there are a lot of entities that are very much chasing after a pretty penny for something that has not been explored, has not been fully, you know, developed out, but yet they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do it because we can make a lot of money out of it. It's prospecting, right? And you know, maybe you'll get money in the short term, but again, like when we were looking at the long term perspective risk of that when the science hasn't been proven, it's just not worth it. No, exactly. It's it's don't touch it, you know, like be be a bit precautionary, be prudent, don't touch it until like we know for sure that there's, you know, that it's, you know, it doesn't have irreversible and long term consequences. Yeah. And talking about recycling, you know, we didn't really get to dive into that too much in previous episodes. But from from what you're seeing as the alternatives with recycling, could you talk a little bit more about that for people who might not know i know we brought it you just talked about it but if you could break that down a little bit more on like yeah what are the alternatives that have been proposed for deep sea bed mining yeah i mean it de- depends on which like minerals you know you're looking for is it is it uh, you know uh, is it copper is it nickel aluminium you know what what exactly and then it depends on which products you have you know and right. so on but like in terms of the positive science, you know, or like what companies that we invested in are doing is like, for instance, Toyota that you may know in, in, in Japan, in that space, uh, they are recycling more than 99% of the batteries. Mm. So if they are recycling them, that creates like that also addresses the, the demand. So so that's great. Or we have another you know, a company that we are really proud of to be invested in called the Freier. I think it's a Norwegian company. I'm not so sure about the jurisdiction, now. <laughs> but they, they make so-called semi-solid batteries that have a higher en- en- energy density. So, you know, they have, you know, with less minerals, you can create or save, store more energy. So, so these are the alternatives. And this is, I think, what as an impact investor, we should be looking at instead of, you know, Tipsy mining. <laughs> yeah, because sustainable gold rush. That was terrible. <laughs> I know it's terrible. That was literally the tagline at the recent deep sea bed mining conference that just happened last month in the UK. No way. Yeah, there it literally says on the website, "Gold rush, join the gold rush." It's whack. It's crazy. I know. Oh man, um, where was that? I should show up there. And <laughs> I, I know you gotta you gotta show up there. It's wild. And so I'm just wondering, also like. Yeah, because this practice is so new, like, I mean, even with investment, you all have your own minimums. Do other banks have things like that where, like, they have that ethos? Like, I mean, I know that's, like, an even bigger question on, like, how do we get banks to have an ethos around their investments? But I'm just wondering, like, how did that happen with Triodos? Like, how, like, it seems like it's embedded in the DNA of the bank. Has it always been like that? Just wanting to know a little bit more on, on, how do we get more banks to have minimums and think about their investments? Sure. Yeah, I mean, Triodos is a, is a very special bank because it was founded 40 years ago, 43 years ago, maybe even, on the principle of, like, you know, financing change and mm. also changing financing, changing finance. So, like, we want to invest in finance in the good things, but also change the practices of the financial industry. And that is, of course, by 
like just by leading leading by example so doing what we're doing and inspiring others but also really speaking up so we are really busy in uh, you know speaking up in the debate advocacy lobbying also you know talking to other banks and in the financial sector but also engaging with civil society for instance also on the topic of deep sea mining we like a couple of months ago I talked with the environmental justice foundation and you know and that's also a very very important network you know mm. um uh, yeah, to to just like uh, change change the status quo, and I know of one or two other financial players that have an, a position on deep sea mining, which is also a no go, but that's very little if you look at the landscape. And this is also very like European based the knowledge right. that I have on the financial sector. Yeah, totally, totally. It seems like it's slowly growing, but it still isn't like mainstream yet, and there needs to be a lot more a lot more institutions that are held accountable to to care about this. And yeah, so when you hear from people like, oh, let me say that again. So when it comes to this making business sense, like I know that you were saying about it being a catastrophic investment, like what would you say to businesses that are trying to like view this as like a chance to hop on something super profitable short term like what what are your thoughts what's your message to them <laughs> that might be listening and they're just like well we can make a lot of money what's your problem you know <laughs> well, well you know um <laughs> make, make lots of money in the short term and like create the world for you know the future generations to come you know like oh nice if that's your plan if you want to be involved in that i i think <laughs> that's a that's a very tricky conversation to have no but like jokes aside i i think you know you really like you know picking up on the tagline again sustainable gold rush you know like you really under need to understand what's going on there i mean we've had all the discussions around bitcoin like where people thought they could make yeah enormous short-term profits and just like jump on that and and just like you know but if you don't understand like the underlying mechanisms also of investments you know it's too risky and you know like and and then you can make an informed assessment. So, for instance, also deep sea mining. You know, as of now, there's, I mean, there's the High Sea Treaty um, that it hasn't been really signed yet, but like it's there that is like trying to regulate deep sea mining. So, you know, if there are some, if I may say, gold diggers, uh, <laughs> deep sea gold diggers, <laughs> um, you know, trying to make the short profits there, you know, and like invest all of their money, like let's in theory, put all the money on a company saying, okay, we're going to do deep sea mining and make a lot of money. Then in a few years, there's a regulation coming out. Uh, the United, uh, so it's in the International Union for the Conservation of Nature establishes that deep sea mining is too dangerous. It has too bad consequences. We don't allow it. It's a no-go. So there's a regulation against it. So what do you do with your investments? Boom, they're zero or negative, you know. So like all the money you put in there, you may never get back, you know. So I think this is what you really need to be very careful about. And this is just regulation. This is not even caring about like the environment or future generations or whatever. This right. is just financial, you know, risk. Well, clearly anyone who's a deep sea gold digger is not going to care about the environment. <laughs> but yeah, if you care about your money, period, and your capital investment, like you should be caring that like because of how precarious this is and how new it is why would you risk that? So I, I love that you brought that up. I also love what you said earlier about 
displacing the blame or, or saying all of a sudden this is going to be the most environmentally and socially friendly version of mining. That's how it's been pitched, right? Like it's been like, oh, well, you know, there's been all these human rights violations with land-based mining. So this mm -hmm. is going to use these like remote controlled robots that aren't going to use humans. And it's going to be so good for the environment. It's going to be so responsible and we have to do it. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, okay, show me your sources. Who says that it's environmentally friendly? Who says that there are no consequences? And like, you know, like the authoritative source for me is once again, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. If they say, yeah, it's no problem, you know, I may, may be fine with that, but like, that's not like the outcome I'm expecting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's, that's really valid. Like, I mean, like, yeah, in social media, we always, say like people will just make up sources and will be an authority on something and just be like you know i heard from a guy who heard from a guy that yes. like this is fine and yeah like i've been seeing all these websites like this company called impossible metals they have a whole website and it literally says that mining for critical minerals is an essential part of the transition to a green economy which in some ways yes there is some validity in that, that like, we have to get these minerals from somewhere, but to do deep sea bed mining to get it is not the only way, as we've discussed in this episode. And they and say- And hang on. Oh, like, yeah, I on. mean, they're saying like the mining for the metals is like key for the energy transition. Like yeah. the metals may be key, but the mining, you know, that's that's the step behind it. So they already like, you know, yeah. like twist like the, the narrative in a, in a different way. And I wonder, impossible metals, I wonder who's behind them. Is it a, a company? Is I it know. some lob lobby organization? <laughs> Always check your sources. Mm. That's the first step in research. And especially on such a topic, it's so important. Yeah, like it literally says, we are building robotic vehicles to get critical battery metal, metals while protecting the seafloor ecosystem. How are you going to do that right. if you've never done it? If you've never done exactly. it, it's not being regulated. Like, how are you going to ensure that? Yeah. And then also, like, look, look, I mean, okay, this is like, you know, somebody with an investment perspective speaking. Of course, I work for a bank. I've been in this business for like 10 years or something. But like, you know, like, look at the market, like, you know, which are the players? What is like the, what are the licenses? You know, for instance, in order to just be allowed to conduct deep sea mining, you need a license, the license to operate to do that. Who's handing out this license? Like, you know, and these license per se is an asset for the investments. So if you don't have them, like, what do we need the robot for? You know, great, you have a machine and you can use it. You can store it in your garage. Great. <laughs> there goes your investment. But also, and this is, I think, like, that's my, my personal reference to Bitcoins, you know, or like cyber currencies. If there's a hype around it and then people don't check the sources and they just, like, love to jump on it, thinking they make a lot of money, it's always, always very, very tricky. It's very risky. So... Yeah, once again, the precautionary principle. Should, for me, in the investment business, that's always uh, the first thing I think about. So this is so helpful and informative. And yeah, just appreciate you sharing all the information you did on the episode today. I just wanted to know, what are some resources that listeners could learn more about why 
deep sea bed mining does not make business sense. I know IUCN is a really great resource and we're gonna put that in the show notes, but are there other institutions or entities um, that people could learn more to understand why this, this is an issue from a business lens? Yeah, of course. I, I think the Environmental Justice Foundation, they came out with a report just a month ago. And I, I really liked the report. It was very informative yeah, and, and very clear also. And they also picked up on the financial perspective. So I think that's really good. And then for the nerds among your listeners, maybe like monitoring the United Nations treaties and discussions on the on the high the Treaty on the High Seas, mm-hmm. that may be also very, very interesting because, you know, that's what will be coming with the regulation more and more, I guess. Yeah, and, and I know in July or June, sometime this summer, the International Seabed Authority is going to be making decisions around actually starting to permit this and putting out licenses. And so there's a really big urgency once this episode comes out that listeners should definitely keep up to date. I've obviously mentioned a lot of organizations and frontline organizations on the ground that are fighting against this, a lot of organizations that have petitions circulating. So definitely check out the other episodes and we'll also put those links in the show notes for folks as well. But it's so important that people debunk the greenwashing of deep seabed mining, especially these ideas that this practice can be sustainable, that it doesn't address human rights violations. This is one of the biggest human rights violations of the planet if this gets approved to the extent it is. It is a huge potential carbon bomb where basically we're destroying some of the biggest depths of the ocean that have yet to be explored. It is going to be disastrous for the planet, disastrous for the environment. And if we care about human rights, we're going to destroy the largest carbon sink in the world. That is going to destroy humanity. So I just think it's very wild to me, this weird disconnect and cultural, I don't even know, dissociation between this idea of like, oh, we can make this sustainable even though we haven't even explored it while also we care about the planet and so we want to be responsible like this responsible mining in general like it just always (laughs) blows my mind so i just think consumers need to really sniff that out call out deep sea bed mining and understand that like it doesn't make sense for businesses or any investors uh, to be engaged in this practice yeah. And I think, you know, like the human brain likes to have things simple. So if somebody's telling you, hey, you can make a lot of money on that and it's very sustainable. And if you say yes to that right away without checking the sources and thinking about actually what this actually implies, you know, I think humanity has another problem. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So do you have any last calls to action for listeners on today's show? I think... Everybody should like really make sure that they stay informed on the debate to see what's going on. And really, because that's also what I understood is really important for your listeners. You know, don't fall for like such like window dressing and greenwashing of, oh, like the like, what is it again? The sustainable gold rush? (laughs) Bullshit, honestly. It's yeah. So think twice, check the sources and yeah, follow the debate and think long term. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and for joining today's episode and sharing your wisdom on why this is not a good investment for people or the planet. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Brown Girl Green podcast. As you can see, deep sea bed mining doesn't make sense from 
any angle, particularly financially. It doesn't make any business sense. It's going to destroy the planet and the environment for the sake of short-term profit. And why are we going to mess with an ecosystem that we as humanity know nothing about? History is repeating itself. We do not need a sustainable gold rush. Please sit down, take some seats, people who are pushing deep seabed mining. We don't need that on our planet and our ecosystems. We don't need it. So I hope you check out the show notes, learn more about the resources that were mentioned in today's episode. Make sure to support organizations that we have in the show notes who are fighting back and demanding that the International Seabed Authority listen to constituents around the world that There needs to be a moratorium globally on deep seabed mining. There is no turning back, and this is going to be absolutely disastrous for the environment. Make sure that you also subscribe to the Brown Girl Green YouTube channel, Brown Girl Green Instagram, and continue to listen to the Brown Girl Green podcast wherever you get your shows. And if you like the show, please leave a review. I currently don't make any money off of this show, and it would really support me and my team who do a lot of research, working with guests, and making sure that we're providing all this education to you all worldwide. So consider leaving a quick review, takes about a minute, and it leaves a great impact and supports the work that I and my team are doing on these episodes. So thank you again for listening to the Brown Girl Green Show. I'm your host, Christy Drutman, and I interview environmental leaders and advocates about the importance of diversity and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I hope that you continue to stay safe out there, make sure you educate your friends, and to always keep it green. Thanks so much.